0: Well, welcome to uh, midweek for Awakening Church. As you probably are aware, I don't look like Ryan, I don't look like Chris, although either of those would be a a great move. Uh, Just kidding, you'll notice the backdrop is a little bit different. We are taking the physical or social distancing to the next level. And uh, honestly, it's always a joy to get to, to partner with my son Ryan and with Chris, the staff, the elders, the whole team. And, um, you know, he asked me if I could share maybe something out of the Psalms in light of what's going on in the world. And, you know, I don't know about you, but as I've talked and communicated with a lot of people, we've kind of hit the grind. I mean, it's just like, how do we make it through this? We, We don't want to just survive. We want to grow. We want to trust God. But, you know, week after week after week. And uh, as as you see, you know, all those things going downhill and, you know, we're human. So, you know, we have some up days and we have some down days. And I think the number one thing we have to guard against is discouragement. Uh, When you're discouraged, you make really bad decisions. When you're discouraged, you eat stuff that you don't need. Uh, When you're discouraged, you kind of medicate yourself in semi-healthy ways, you know, or some really not healthy ways. And and I think the only answer to discouragement is getting perspective. And um, if you and I were sitting together and grabbing a cup of coffee, and we really had time, uh, like a lot of you are doing on the small group Zooms, where you really share your heart and say, this is what's going on, and this is where I'm challenged, or I'm really fearful about the economy, or, you know, someone that I love and their health, or, you know, all the different things that happen, I'm discouraged, I'm really having a bad day. And if you said, Chip, how, how do we get perspective? How do we, how do we think rightly about things? Because the fact is is that circumstances don't have the power to make or break our lives. We, we, we know that, right? But how do you get that perspective? And if you said, Chip, what's helped you? I would say there is one psalm that I go to when I really need perspective Um, above all the others. And it's the only Psalm that he wrote. It was Moses. Uh, At the very end of his life, he wrote Psalm 90. In fact, if you have your Bible or uh, you want to open it up on your phone, however you do it, open to Psalm 90. And I want you just to get the context. Uh, This is a man that for the first 40 years had everything in the world. Uh, he, He sensed God calling him and moving him to make a difference with his people. And he decided to try to do in his own strength and his time instead of God's. And so then he gets another 40 years literally on the backside of a mountain and very agricultural life, feels inadequate. God calls him, and you know the story, he delivers all of Israel. And during that time, uh, they go through difficulty and their attitude is not good much of the time. And he, he has the weight of leadership. and. At one point, finally, the people rebel. They're not going to go to the promised land, and judgment is sure. And God says, you know, for those of you that are, you know, over 20 years old, you will not get to go in. And so for 40 years, uh, he's been going around and around and around, and um, I estimate at least um, he did a million funerals, probably probably more than that, because... Two or three million came out, I don't know how many children and all the rest, but just just fathom for a moment. A million funerals and um, I'm not near as old as Moses, but I've done a lot of funerals. I have buried people that are in their late 70s, 80s, 90s that someday, some way I'd like to grow up and be like them, godly, have left a legacy. Just an amazing life and yeah, there's some sorrow, but it's almost celebration, rejoicing. What an example. And I've had the just tragedy of, of bearing a baby a few days old and just about everybody in between. And what I can tell you is uh, whether I actually do the funeral or whether I attend a funeral, especially of someone that's close to me, uh, the writer of uh, Ecclesiastes, is spot on. There's a lot more wisdom in the house of mourning than in the house of feasting. There's there's just, just something that grips you about what's real, what matters, what's true. I mean, you get perspective, right? We all get distracted. We all have stuff coming at us. And so Moses writes his one and only psalm. And it's after doing all these funerals and I think what he gives us is perspective. Uh, the outline that I'm gonna give you is simple, very, very simple, very, very short. I'm gonna encourage you to um, get a pen, get something to write with, because if you can walk through this outline even later, when you get down in the dumps, when you start wondering about the future and job, and you know, if you have children or you know, the economy, or if you're older and think about retirement and all that's happened, or you just, I mean, purely think about the people that have died and who has or may have or will get this virus and all the uncertainty. This psalm will kind of take things and it'll just give you a new set of glasses to see life from God's perspective. Follow along um, as I uh, begin to read the psalm, and I'm just gonna walk through it, give you the principle, uh, give you one word to remember. And then uh, I think you'll have some time uh, to really think about this and talk with one another. In fact, I'll even end with a handful of questions that I think might be helpful. Uh, It reminds me of uh, that saying, I remember, uh, don't even know where it came from, but when things are really, really dark, it's better to light one candle than to curse the darkness. So I'm gonna give you sort of six candles of light that in the midst of the darkness we're living in, I think will really help. He begins, Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting. You are God. And notice what he says. Lord, Adonai is the word. You have been our, our dwelling place. It's you have been our safety. You've been our refuge. Throughout all generations, we have history with you. We can look back and we know that you've delivered and delivered and delivered. You made promises to Abraham. You made promises to Isaac and Jacob. We have a history with you. And and before the mountains were born, in other words, you were the creator. You had a plan. You're a sovereign God. And and it's going to happen. You're eternal from everlasting to everlasting. Candle number one, here's the point. God is great. Just jot that down. God is great. He's the Creator. He's the Sovereign One. He's over everything. And it's not just now. From everlasting to everlasting, He's going to orchestrate His plans, His purposes for you, for me, for the world, for history. And and, and so we pause and we say, okay, to get perspective, I need to look upward instead of inward. I need to begin asking, am I looking at the size of my God or am I looking at the size of my problems? And what I would say is, write the word perspective. Perspective. It's what you need. That's how you overcome discouragement. God is big. God is powerful. God is good. God is all-knowing. You don't have to feel that. Your emotions can't dictate your life. But you have to fight against that. You have to remember. By the way, that's why worship is so important. Uh, for some of us, we don't, we're not naturals when it comes to worship and singing. But I will tell you, uh, as you lose perspective, find a corner somewhere. If you need, put some headphones on and the two or three or four or five worship songs that draw you near to God, that have a high view of Him, sing them unto the Lord and you'll begin to see what happens. It's the same thing that happens when we get into His Word. He goes on, candle light, candle number two. You turn men back to dust, saying, Return to dust, O sons of men. For a thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by, or like a watch in the night. You sweep men away in the sleep of death. They are like the new grass of the morning, though in the morning it springs up new. By evening it is dry and withered. First, God is great. Second, life is short. If perspective is the key that comes when you light the candle and know that God is great, uh, number two, life is short. It's priorities. I mean, what's he say here? Lord, a thousand years and a day to you, no difference. Our lives, a vapor. Uh, the, the winds would come in. Hot winds would come in and the grass would be green. And, and just overnight, they would go from green to brown. Just, just the point is life is very short. I mean, it's... We worry. We're anxious. What about this? What about that? Is this going to happen? Is that going to happen? We project into the future. We all do this. But you get perspective when you go, wait a second. God is great. Life is short. Question. Where's my priorities? What has this revealed about your priorities? About what matters? I've had a couple friends that I, that I know well, so they're, they're really honest with me. and. Um, They have some pretty powerful jobs and companies that you would know and they travel a lot and they're really trying to be good husbands and some of them told me I've eaten more with my family in the last month than I've probably eaten with them in the last five or ten years and he said, you know, this is a tragedy and there's all kind of difficulty but I am now beginning to realize what I've missed and I'm beginning to realize not only what I've missed, but what I haven't given. Wouldn't it be a shame to go back to the way it was? Doesn't mean we don't travel, doesn't mean that we don't have jobs, but I'll tell you what, you start thinking about life is short, then what matters most gets to the top of what you do and your priorities. He goes on, let's pick it up, candle number 3, verse 7, we are consumed by your anger and terrified by your indignation. You have set our iniquities before you, what a picture, our secret sins in the light of your presence. All our days pass under your wrath, we finish our years with a moan. The length of our days is 70 years or 80 if we have the strength, yet their span is but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. You know if you're using you know a, I call it an analog Bible and you have a pen you might underline consumed terrified iniquities, secret sins, wrath, moan, sorrow, trouble, fly away um, God is great life is short are you ready for this one? sin is serious sin is serious i mean I mean God is loving, God is compassionate, He cares about you, but He doesn't wink at sin. His wrath, His anger, our iniquities are before His presence. He opens up and knows the secret sins. He sees it all, and the key word here is purity. If there's ever a time in our lives, I mean, imagine this, the world stopped. Your world stopped, my world stopped. If there's ever a time to say, I need to do some healthy, honest introspection, not self-condemnation, not beating myself up, not creating things that aren't there. But I mean, God, you are great. Life is so short. Sin is serious. I'm not going to gloss over things. I'm not going to gloss over just because everybody else is, quote, doing this or, or saying that or, or watching this or doing this with their money or allow their kids, right? All that stuff. You need to understand, I need to understand, you're going to stand before a holy God. And you need to pray, Lord, search my heart. The world stopped, my world stopped. Pillars that you and I depended on. Money you thought would be in the bank or in your 401k or the job that you thought was secure and the company you thought would go on forever, and right? All of those things are up for grabs. Let's not waste those. God allows these challenges to get our attention so that we refocus on His greatness and become worshipers. Our priorities begin to say, Life is very short. I need to do what is most important and sin is serious, so I need to address it, and I need to take that which He shows me because He's not mad at me. And I need to bring them to Him, and I need to agree with Him. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's part of getting perspective. That's part of this low-grade guilt. That's part of, you know, we all have some stuff that are hidden, You know, some of you have some addictions that people don't know about. Some of you have some baggage from your past. Let those things surface, just like gold gets heated and heated. The impurities come to the top, and then they're just washed off. The Lord wants to purify you, love you, bring you close to Him. He goes on in verse number 11 He says, "'Who knows the power of your anger? For your wrath is as great as the fear that is due you. Request, teach us to number our days aright, that we may gain a heart of wisdom.'" The candle here is wisdom is essential. Uh, Life is short, God is great, sin is serious. So what do you need? You need wisdom. Teach us, Lord, um, teach us to number our days. Teach us, it's not just priorities, but what, what's my purpose? Uh, is is a line? Am I doing what you want me to do? Uh, the, the word wisdom here, it's, it's Hebrew, it's, it's skill. It's the ability to discern what season that you're in. It's the ability to discern what's important, what's not important. Uh, it's numbering my days so that I'm living with this reality that life really is short, that it doesn't go on forever. The idea that, you know, someday I'll address that. You know, someday I think I'll really you know, that someday is today. The key word there is purpose. Teach us to number our days. I met a guy recently, very very interesting, and uh, he has a he has a jar, and uh, you know I think he thought you know he took some decent sized rocks, but I mean it's it's a big jar, and I'm guessing he's probably in his late fifties, and he started doing this uh, quite a while back, and, and what he does is for every week of his life, he has a rock, and, and at the beginning or the end of every week, he takes one of those rocks, and he takes it out of that jar. And he has this visual reminder that, you know what? <laughs> there, there, there's not that many weeks left. There, there's not that many rocks there. And I think we're human. So what you do and I do is we intellectually know uh, there's not that much time left. Uh, we know we need to have good priorities and purpose, and why did God put me on the earth, and what matters most. And yet, uh, I just read an article uh, out of a book, uh, and the guy was, they did some research that the average person who owns an iPhone like this touches it 2,000 times a day. Do you realize how distracted you are and I am? Do you realize how much our, our world is entertained? Do you know what the root word of being amusement is? The word muse is to think. You put an A in front of it, amuse means to not think. Um, Postman in his classic book wrote a book called We're Amusing Ourselves to Death. You know, this is a time to not binge in front of screens. This is a window. It may be difficult. It may be painful. And I pray it is over soon, but this is a window to do a sober self-assessment. This is a time to take and say, God, you, you can do in me whatever you want like never before, and you can do in my relationships whatever you want. I'm all ears. I'm not going anywhere. So let's not waste it. God is great. Perspective. Life is short. Priorities. Sin is serious. Purity. Wisdom is essential. Purpose. And now, candle number five. Relent, O Lord, how long will it be? Have compassion on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love. And notice why. In the midst of this seriousness and gravity of life and sobriety, he says, "May We sing for joy and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, for as many years as we have seen trouble. Notice, oh, Lord, relent. Are you ready? What he says is mercy is available. It's pray. It's just, I love this line. I I memorized a verse at the very end of of Micah. I think it's Micah 7, 18. But this line says, God delights to show mercy. Have you ever thought about that? the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is on the edge of his throne, leaning forward, looking at normal people like us. And he sees our sin. He sees our failure. Even after we've come to know Christ, he sees the things we hide and the challenges we have. And the moment, the moment we come and say, oh God, I'm so sorry. Yes, that's true. And that's true. And gosh, I've covered that so long. I forgot it was true. The moment you come, he says, mercy is available. What's he pray? Oh, Lord, have compassion on your servants. He wants to. You know, he's the, he's the father of the prodigal son. And when the as soon as he sees that prodigal coming down the road, man, he runs after him and hugs him and puts the sandals on him and throws the party. And he says, look, Lord, allow us to sing for joy. Make our hearts glad. Give us in these days, as many wonderful days as the troubling days. And, and, you know, in Moses' situation, he saw a lot of trouble. He saw a lot of pain. But he had a, a picture of a God who, though exalted and high and holy, I mean, this is the Moses that went up on the mountain. This is the Moses whose face was shining after interaction where the Scripture says God talked him as a man talks to a friend. This is, this is the Moses that raised a staff and watched the Red Sea part. The, the one who told everyone, put a rope around the bottom of the mountain. And, and God actually spoke and the, and the smoke and the fire and he's seen God's power. And, and what he's learned is there's a heart of this all-powerful, all-knowing, great and majestic God who created everything. And he longs to forgive. Mercy, he longs to not hold you accountable for what you did and what I have done. And then I love the last candle, number six. It says, May your deeds be shown to your servants, your splendor to their children. May the favor of the Lord our God rest upon us. And then here's his request, Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. First he says, May your deeds, God, be shown to your servants. In other words, help us to see where you're at work. Don't you want to see that right now? That's a great prayer. And then, your splendor to their children. I mean, what what would happen if how you respond and I respond if your kids, or in my case, maybe even my grandkids, would see the splendor of God, the power of God, because of how you respond and the answers to prayer. And then I love this. He goes, establish the work of our hands. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Success is possible. This can be a productive time. It's a hard time. It's a difficult time. But here's what I've learned. There is hope. There's hope because God is great and I can get perspective. There's hope because I realize life is short. I get my priorities right. There's hope because sin is serious. And I'm going to take a look like never before to be pure. It's wisdom is essential. And that means that I'm going to examine my purpose. Is my life really what I No, God wants it to be and mercy is available and I'm going to pray and ask for it because God longs to give it. And finally, success is possible. He wants me to be productive. He wants to take my creativity and my little season here and my gifts and what he's put inside of me and what he's put inside of you and your children and your family and he wants to establish or bless the work of your hands that he would use you to love people that your gifts and your dreams and who he made you to be, he he wants those things to become a reality as you trust him. And when I read this psalm, it causes me to ask a few questions, but I will tell you, I love Ryan's illustration. My focus goes up, gets off the problems. And the questions I ask myself are these. Number one, is my focus on how big my God is or how big my problems are? Why don't you discuss that? Question number two, am I prepared to die? Are you? Do you know for sure your sins are forgiven? Have you made things right? This isn't hypothetical anymore. Are you prepared to die? Question number three, am I taking sin seriously? I think I've said enough about that, but that's a heavy question. Number four is, am I spending or investing my life? You know, when you ask God to help you have wisdom to number your days, are you just spending it or are you investing it? And are you investing in what counts? Question number five, am I experiencing the joy of the Lord? In other words, in the midst of all of this, is there a joy that's the byproduct of my time with Him of experiencing His compassion and mercy and grace that actually um, can allow me to overcome these things? And then finally, am I impacting my world for good? Is he establishing the work in my hands? Hey, Awakening, what a joy to be with you. Um, I'd like to pray for you right now, and then I'll let one of the team members sort of let you know where we're gonna go with discussion time. But Father, I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you would give us the perspective that you granted to Moses. That, Lord, you would guard our hearts from discouragement, that you would remind us of who you are, how short life is, how available you are, and that you want to do a good and a deep work in us and then a great work through us. Lord, we know that's your will. We pray for that perspective in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for the chance to share with you.